saints, welcome to another edition of Talking Bible Truth with Dr. Kamala D. I am your host, Dr. Kamala D, here to help you grow in faith and walk in God's amazing grace. This episode is entitled, Know Your Enemy, Satan. Because of the enormous content, I have turned this episode into a five-part series. It is essential that when you read the Bible, you should know when God is talking and how to divide the scriptures rightly. Unfortunately, many Christians don't know when God is talking. This is the reason so many Christians are suffering. They are allowing Satan to lead them, deceive them, and teach them in the Bible. This first message is called, Lie Number One, Satan Doesn't Exist. So get your pen and paper and put on your learning hats. This will be an eye-opening, life-changing series. So let's get into it. All right, let's get into this very important message. Now, for those of you who are listening to me for the first time, I read a lot of scripture. I study a lot of scripture. I research a lot of scripture so that I can rightly divide the word of truth and share it with you. Now, I want each and every one of you to know this series will be an eye-opening, life-changing series for you. I want each and every one of you to have the abundant life that Jesus Christ died for you to have. Now, people are being lied to every day and are going to, unfortunately, hell because of it. Other people who are saved and are supposedly of God are suffering from illness, poverty, worry, and guilt. Still more are saved and are relatively successful in life. However, if you look at their lifestyles, you will find it hard to believe they are really born again because they are living the same lifestyles as many sinners or worse. The worst part of it is that all these people think they are supposed to be where they are in their lives today. Now, spiritually, physically, mentally, emotionally, and materially, they do not know that they have gotten the short end of the stick. They do not know that they have been lied to and, and cheated out of, of what is rightfully theirs. They have been innocent and at the same time, ignorant. According to Hosea 4 and 6, ignorance can kill. So who has been doing the lying all this time? Who can we pin the blame on? Not the preacher, not the deacon, not the elder, not the seminary or the Sunday school teacher. They have passed down false information at times, but, but trust me, they were just as sincere as they could be and probably believed in their hearts that what they were telling everyone else was right. They did not know what they were teaching and preaching was not true scripture. They were simply deceived. You cannot say the world lied either, not sinners or the government or the movies or the television networks or the newspapers. The reason is the same. They were and are as deceived as anyone else. They have been searching in darkness. So who has been lying and making everyone suffer all this time? Take a quick look at the title of this message. Know your enemy, Satan. That will tell you who is responsible. Now, in case you are thinking or, or have been told that that can't be true, 
the devil does not exist? Well, according to the Bible, not only does he exist, but he and his demon forces are on a rampage today. You can see it every day, all around you, on television, through conversations with people. Yeah, he definitely exists. Now, as Jesus put it, he is searching the land like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Now, this message, we will look at who Satan is, where he came from, and how you can stand in victory over him. We will look at some of the misconceptions that have been perpetuated over the years. We will discuss how Jesus has given us freedom over every negative circumstance that can come into our lives and how we can and are expected to live in that freedom. We have done nothing to earn that freedom, nor can we. It is given to us when we accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Now, because the Heavenly Father loves each of us so much that he wants us to be happy, successful, and taken care of. You probably want, want your children to, to succeed in life as well. You want them to be joyful and in good health. So why should God the Father be any different? The answer is that God is not any different. Despite what you may have thought or heard, it is not my opinion. It is what the Bible tells us in black and white. God says in his word that he does not change, nor has he any shadow of turning. That means his promises do not change. If we want to know God's nature, what he has done for us, what he is willing to do for us even now, and what is not true about him, all we have to do is look at what he says in his word and go from there. His word is written in the Holy Bible. The Apostle Paul says in 2 Timothy 2.15, be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a workman who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Now that means that the ball is in our court to get to know God. My wish in this message will encourage you to do just that as well as encourage you to live the overcoming Christian life that Christ has bought and paid for you to have. Now to think that Satan doesn't exist is the first lie we are going to tackle. I have heard people say there is no personal devil. The idea of a devil is simply a state of mind conceptualized by religionists to cause us fear <laughs> now in society we have made a cartoon character out of the devil complete with red suit long tail pitchfork and, and horns sticking out of his head when we see him characterizing the movies or on television he is made out to be some sort of joke a wimp who cannot hold his own own against human uh, imagination or cleverness according to the bible the devil is not a wimp and he is anything but a joke. The word says he is a thief, a killer, a robber, and is like a roaring lion, a roaring lion, I'm sorry, seeking whom he may devour. Now, just as the Holy Spirit is described in the Bible in terms that denote his functions, the helper, the comforter, the teacher, the spirit of truth, so Satan is described in the scriptures by the names that describe what he has done 
and is doing in the earth realm today. And it all spells bad news. There is nothing good about Satan, absolutely nothing. The Bible tells us the devil is real, that he exists. Unfortunately, he is also winning far too many battles when it comes to the family of God. Hosea 4 and 6 records that God says, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. That includes knowledge about the devil's existence. And also the fact that you can stop him from lording over you. Now, this the first thing we need to, to establish from the word of God is the origin of Satan. That way we can know as much as possible about our chief adversary. By knowing where he came from and how he operates, we can have a clearer understanding of his modus operandi, all right? How did Satan become Satan? We're going to look into that. We have two excellent descriptions in the Old Testament of what Satan was like in the beginning and what prompted his becoming what he is today. Now, together, they formed a very interesting composite of the enemy we face. The first of these descriptions is found in Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 14, verses 12 through 15. You can go there. Uh, for the sake of time, I'm just going to um, read the scriptures. You can pause because you have the ability to do that and then resume after you find the scriptures. But uh, Isaiah chapter 14, verse 12 and 15. How you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. How you are cut down to the ground, you who weaken the nations. For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation, on the furthest sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. Yet you shall be brought down to Sheol, to the lowest depths of the pit. Now, Lucifer was Satan's technical or given name when he was created. He is not a human creature, but a heavenly creature. He did not fall, fall from earth. He fell from heaven. Okay. We find out more about Lucifer in Ezekiel 28. Okay. Ezekiel 28, beginning at verse 11. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, take up a lamentation for the king of Tyre and say to him, Thus says the Lord God, You were the seal of perfection, full of wisdom, and perfect beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering. The, the sardius, I think that's sardius, the topaz and diamond, the beryl, the onyx, and the jasper, sapphire, turquoise, and emerald with gold, the workmanship of your timbrels and pipes, was prepared for you on the day you were created. You were the anointed cherub who covers. I established you. You were on the holy mountain of God. You walked back and forth in the midst of fiery stones. You were perfect in your ways from the day you were created till iniquity was found in you. 
by the abundance of your trading, you became filled with violence within and you sinned. Therefore, I cast you as a profane thing out of the mountain of God. And I destroyed you, O covering cherub, from the midst of the fiery stones. Now a cherub is an angel, not a human. He is not an earthly king, but a supernatural creature. One beyond the realm of flesh and blood. Now let's continue to read in Ezekiel. Your heart was lifted up because your beauty. You corrupted your wisdom for the sake of your splendor. I cast you to the ground. I laid you before kings that they might gaze at you. Now, as I said before, these two descriptions of Satan from a composite sketch of where this angelic creature came from, uh, what his purpose was in the beginning and how he became uh, what and who he is today. Even with this sketch, however, there are some gaps in continuity. Now, in the beginning, what I'm about to say may not seem related at first to the subject at hand, but, but bear with me. Bear with me now. As I will show later in this message, it is directly related. Those who know me, whenever I say something or teach something, you better believe I can support it in scripture. Now, when you read Genesis chapter one, verse one in the King James version, it says in the beginning. Now, literally in the Hebrew, this verse begins in the beginning. However, verse two adds, the earth was without form and void. Now, why would God create something without form and void? That in itself would seem to contradict what he says in Isaiah 45 and 18. Listen, for this says, for thus says the Lord who created the heavens, who is God, who formed the earth and made it, who has established it, who did not create it in vain, who formed it, who formed it to be inhabited. I am the Lord and there is no other. Now the words not in vain in the Hebrew language literally mean not without form, okay? In fact, one translation of this verse says that God did not create the earth as a formless waste. Yet that is what is being described in Genesis one and two. Also Genesis one and two says, and darkness was on the face of the deep literally in Hebrew, it says there was chaos. God does not create chaos because chaos is confusion. And the Bible says God is not the author of confusion and the Bible does not contradict itself. Okay. Each scripture has a meaning. Now, why would God create a world submerged in water, then call the ground to come up and out of the water to form continents and islands? The spirit of the Lord gave me what I believe to be an answer to this question. Now, and it ties directly into the origin of Satan. If you have a, a, a challenge with it, you do not have to accept it. It's as simple as that. After all, your salvation is not based on what I am about to say, okay? I believe that when God created this world, initially Satan, the bright star, Lucifer, was placed in charge of this earth realm. And his job was to bring the praise, worship, and adoration of the creatures of the earth to God. Now, Lucifer was a very beautiful angel 
not not the the angel created by man making you think he red with horns mm-mm, mm-mm. he was a very beautiful angel god had created now however because of his beauty his pride got in the way lucifer thought that since he was so beautiful the praise and adoration of these creatures should be directed to him he said i will exalt my throne above the throne of god that's what he said he became perverted and as a result of his actions not only himself but the whole earth was plunged into a chaotic condition actually genesis uh chapter 1 verse 2 so the end of that chapter is really not the story of creation. It is the story of the restoration of this earth out of the chaos that resulted from Satan's rebellion against God. Now, if you read that chapter carefully, you will notice that everything in this earth realm was plunged into darkness. When God originally created the earth, he did not create it in darkness because the Bible says God is light and that in him is no darkness at all. That's what the Bible says. Now, of course, we have to account for the dinosaurs and, and all that went with them. I will agree there are many discrepancies in history concerning the so-called cavemen. There is some fabrication which has been proved and some lies told to try to perpetuate the idea that man evolved from a less advanced species. However, archaeologists did not fabricate the bones they have unearthed over the years the bones of animals that they say predate the garden of eden now the bible time clock indicates that the period from the garden of eden until now is a is approximately six thousand years four thousand years from adam to christ and approximately another two thousand years from christ to this present age now, according to these scientists, the bones they have discovered predate the Bible time clock by many thousands of years. In the last 6,000 years uh, years of, of recorded history, they have been uh, no such animals as the Tyrannosaurus or Rex or the Brontosaurus or any other dinosaurs living on the earth. However, those bones had to come from somewhere. You know, I believe... They are the bones of animals that existed in the pre-Adam earth before it was plunged into chaos as a result of this spirit creature, Satan. These animals were destroyed along with everything else on this planet because of Satan's sin. Okay, the Bible refers to three heavens. There is no such thing in the Bible as seven heavens. So when y'all hear people say that, it's not coming from the Bible, okay? It's just coming from man. Now, the atmosphere around this earth, otherwise known as the firmament, is the first heaven. The heaven where God the Father dwells, where his throne and the, and the golden city are located in the third heaven. In between the first heaven and the third heaven is what is referred to in the Bible as the heavenlies. The best way to, to, to picture this is to imagine a bologna sandwich. Yeah, I use simple illustrations so you can understand it. Picture a bologna sandwich with two pieces of bread and one bologna. Now the bologna is in between both sides, yet is a separate entity itself. Think of the top slice 
of bread as the third heaven, the bologna as the heaven leads, and the bottom slice of bread as the heaven that surrounds the earth. Now, when Satan was cast down from his position as bright star or son of the morning, he was cast out of the third heaven and cast into the heavenlies. From the heavenlies, Satan has access to the earth realm. And as Job in chapter one, verse six shows us also the third heaven. Uh, listen to Job chapter one, verse six. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord and Satan also came among them. Now it was obvious Satan was in the third heaven because that is the place where the sons of God would have presented themselves to the heavenly father. The sons of God mentioned in this verse are angelic creatures. They are not sons of God in the sense that, that we are. They are called sons of God because they are the creation of God when he created these angelic beings, okay? Now the apostle John writes in the book of Revelation that Satan accuses us before the father, day and night. The father is in the third heaven, so Satan obviously still has access to it. There is coming a day, however, when he will be ex extradited into the earth realm and, and that that will be the only place he will be able to operate until he is cast into the lake of fire and brimstone. Now, as John points out in Revelation, um, I'm sorry, I hit the mic, you guys. Uh, Revelations chapter 12, verses seven and eight. And war broke out in heaven. Michael and his, and his angels fought with the dragon and the dragon and his angels fought, but they did not prevail nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. This event has not happened yet, okay? But it is when Satan, it, it is when Satan will be cast out of, uh, of the heavenlies completely and totally into the earth realm. Now, we have to know our enemy, people. Know our enemy. In Revelations 12 and 9, John shows us something else about our enemy. So the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He, has, he, he was cast to the earth and his angels were cast out with him. Did, did you hear what I just said? His angels were cast out with him. Now notice all these aliases. Get your pen and pencil and you need to write this down because wherever you, you see these words, you know it's the devil. Satan is called the dragon, the serpent, the devil, Lucifer, the king of Tyre, the deceiver, the tempter, and the thief. As I said at the beginning of this message, all these names and some more we will look at shortly can give us a thorough understanding of how Satan operates. That is of crucial importance to us for one very good reason. We are told in 1 Timothy 6 and 12 to fight the good fight of faith. To do this successfully, we must, we must know our enemy. We need to know who our enemy is, saints. We must know not only that he exists, but also his mode of operation and how we are to view him. 
It is a vital importance to know the, to, to, it, look guys, it is a vital importance to know these things so we can know how, how he will attack us. And so we can be successful in our war against him. You know how, if you know the old saying, if you know somebody is after you, you can prepare to protect yourself. We have to know how Satan comes after us so that we can know how we can fight against him and win. Now, many people do not like talking about the devil. They consider talking about him to be the same as glorifying him. And they certainly don't want to do that. But when we discuss the devil and how he operates, we are not glorifying him. We are exposing him for who he really is. We are locating the enemy so that when he comes against us, we can adequately defend ourselves and use our faith to blow him away. Now, Jesus gives us another uh, of the devil's aliases in John chapter 14, verse 30, when he says, I will no longer talk much with you for the ruler of this world is coming and he has nothing in me. Paul adds this in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 3 and 4. But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. Now, Paul does not say that the heavenly father has blinded the minds of those who do not believe. He says the God of this age has blinded them. The God of this age could not be the heavenly father who so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son and, who, and that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. It must be another God with a little g. The one who is also referred to as the ruler of this age. I've often said, people who follow me on a regular basis, God is not in charge of this world. Satan is. God created it, but right now Satan is the ruler of this world. That's why you see so much evil. Oh my God. It is just inundated with evil. Now, he, he also has an alias named the dragon, the serpent. The devil, Satan, you guys need to know these names. Now, Paul gives us one more alias for the ruler in Ephesians chapter two, verse one and two, and reminds of, uh, us of, of something else, okay? This is Ephesians chapter two, verse one and two. And you, he made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. Hmm. Ooh, the Bible telling us all over the place who Satan is. So you got to watch it, people. You got to know when it's the devil and when it's God. You got to know your enemy. Your enemy is Satan. Now, the prince of the power of the air, Satan, is a dethroned angel. He is a fallen, rebellious, disobedient spirit creature that spirit is the god of this world he is real and the bible tells us in several places how he operates look at second timothy 2 and 26 and that they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil having been taken captive by him to do his will now if the devil does not exist how could you be trapped by him if it, since he doesn't exist how can you be trapped by him 
The Bible says you can be trapped by him. Look at Acts chapter 10, verse 38. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. We can infer from this verse of scripture that sickness and disease are satanic oppression, that Satan is the oppressor and Jesus is the deliverer. Otherwise, how could Jesus heal people who were oppressed by a devil who does not exist? Hmm? Look at Luke chapter 13. Luke chapter 13, verses 15 and 16. The Lord then answered him and said, Hypocrite, does not each one of you on the Sabbath loose his ox or donkey from, that stall, from the stall and lead it away to, to water it? So ought not this woman being a daughter of Abraham whom Satan has bound? Think of it. For 18 years, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath? This woman's infirmity was not caused by God. The Bible clearly says, but by Satan. We can very clearly see that Satan is, unfortunately, alive and doing well on this planet. He will throw anything in your path to stop you or slow you down. This is why living in this earth realm can sometimes be such a fight. Or as Paul very aptly phrases it, a warfare. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. Look at 2 Timothy 2 and 4. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. Now the terms war and warfare imply an opponent, a struggle and a conflict. If you are a Christian, you are at war and you have an enemy, hence the abomination in 1 Peter 5 and 8. To be sober, be vigilant, because our adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Now Satan and his forces will devour you with sickness, fear, poverty, disease, warfare, bloodshed, accidents, anything he can. Once you become aware of who he is and how he operates and become aware that he is already whipped and defeated, you will stop allowing him to lord it over you. He will be out of business as far as you are concerned. Now we need to take our authority back, Christians, saints, sons and daughters of God. Take your authority back. Stop allowing the devil to deceive you into believing that every bad and negative thing that is happening to you is being caused by God. It is not. It is the devil. And his main, and I mean his main purpose is to first make you think he doesn't exist. Now, Christians need to stop blaming the Heavenly Father for their misfortune and go after the ones who are truly guilty, the devil and his demon forces, okay? It is the devil and his demonic forces that are causing chaos in your life. You have authority over them. That's the good news. All you have to do is learn to use it 
and act. Look at Luke 10. Luke 10 chapter, chapter oh yeah, uh, Luke chapter 10, verse 17 and 19. Then the 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. The word power in verse 19 is the word dunamis, which means ability. Trample means to walk on. Serpents and scorpions are aliases for the demon host. What Jesus is saying, behold, I give you authority over all the ability of the enemy and nothing by any means shall hurt you. However, you will never get any personal benefit of that ability until you know it, believe it, and exercise your spiritual authority by taking the word of God and exercising your faith. This includes the admonition the Apostle Paul gives us in Ephesians 6 and 11. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. That is Ephesians 6 and 11. The responsibility for putting on this armor is ours. This verse does not say that God will put it on for you. Put on means you do it. The reason you put it on is if you are not protected, you will be vulnerable to the attacks of the enemy. And you can go under. God does not want you to go under. Now, if he did not want you protected, he would not have given you any armor. Each piece of the armor is designed to protect a different faucet of your being. And each faucet has to be protected. God does not want us to have that part of the armor on. He, he don't just want us to have a part of the armor on and, 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 and part of it off. He wants us to have the whole armor on. The word armor in this verse is uh, panoplia in the Greek language. And it means the complete set all of it now put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil the word wiles in the Greek means deceits or deception Satan will try to deceive you con you trick you any way he can with the circumstances of life so that you will take your armor off oh yeah it'll kill your faith if you walk by sight uh, it, and that's what Satan's, that's what he's trying to do, kill your faith. He's trying to get you to doubt God's word. And it's working. It's working on the majority of the body of Christ. That's why you see so many Christians suffering. They have taken off their armor. Now, once you do that, take your armor off, he can dominate you. It is a big temptation, temptation to be governed by the circumstances. And Satan has plenty of circumstances he can hit you with. This does not mean you should deny that the circumstances exist. That in itself would be foolish. Now, however, you can deny Satan the right and privilege to govern or, or control you through it, through the circumstances of your life. Instead, focus your attention on the word of God. And through the word, adjust the circumstances to fit your needs. Now, remember, Satan has assistance. He ain't working by himself here. Look at Ephesians 6 and 12. 
For we do not wrestle against the flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Now, just as there are seraphims and cherubims and archangels in the ranks of God's angels, there are also ranks in the demon host. The four, excuse me, the four basic ranks of demons are principalities. Write these down now because you need to know who your enemy is. The four basic ranks of demons are principalities, powers or, or authorities, rulers of the darkness of this age and spiritual hosts of wickedness, meaning wicked spirits in the heavenly places. The most powerful of these four classes are spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. They could be referred to as the generals of the demon host. The rulers of the darkness of this age would be considered the captains, the powers, the sergeants, and the principality, I'm sorry, the principalities, privates, this whole world has been mapped out by Satan. Oh yes, oh yes, you can clearly see Satan is ruling this world. He has detachments of these demon spirits and wicked angels occupying, occupying different parts of the, of the world to do different things. Now, you may or may not know it, but there are people who are uh, manipulated and influenced by, by these evil spirits. And I mentioned this before when we went through a five-part series, A New Covenant with Better Promises. I talked about different spirits. Yeah, yeah, we have spirits. There are sex perversion spirits, people who are addicted to sex. They are controlled by these demonic spirits. People who are addicted to drugs are controlled by demonic spirits. People who are addicted to alcohol. That's why alcohol uh, is sometimes referred to as spirits. People who are addicted to cigarette smoking, you know, and, and many others. You know, I'm not saying that everyone who smokes cigarettes is possessed by a, a tobacco spirit. No, that's not what I'm saying. Or that everyone who drinks is possessed by an alcoholic spirit. But many of them can be influenced by such spirits. And if that influence is not checked and kept under control, there can come a time when these people are addicted to the point that they are controlled Every aspect of their body is controlled by that spirit. Now, there are, there are even religious spirits that work through religion to bring men into bondage, to keep them blinded from the truth of God's word. And that's what I've talked about this. Uh, denominations were not created by God. They were created by Satan through man to keep people in bondage. Okay? God did not create them. I know it hurts you. You love your denomination. You love its traditions. It, the tradition's been passed down from family to generation to generation, but God didn't put it there. Mm -mm. God did not put it there. Truthfully, that is the goal of these spirits to keep people from finding and understanding the truth of God's word or what Jesus did to free us from sin and, and failing that of how to live by the faith in that freedom in all aspects of their lives. That is the standing order from Satan. And they will do whatever they can to follow that order. Oh yes, 
the demon's going to follow that order, honey. How come we can't get Christians to follow God's order, to follow God's word, but Christians following Satan's orders? Mm. I'll never understand that. And I, you know what? I'm not even going to try. Now, certain spirits also occupy certain pieces of territory. That territory is, uh, it's their turf if, uh, uh, per se. And they want to stay there at all cost. A perfect example of this is found in Mark uh, chapter 5, verses 1 through 14. About to do a lot of reading. Uh, Mark chapter 5, verses 1 through 14. In the story of the, the, the Gadarene demon, uh, demon, okay? Listen to this. Then there came to the other side of the sea. No, I'm sorry. Then they came to the other side of the sea to the country of the Gadarenes. And when he had come out of the boat, that he is Jesus, immediately there met him out of the, out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit who had his dwelling among the tombs and no one could bind him, not even with chains because he had often been bound with shackles and chains and the chains had been pulled apart by him and the shackles broken in pieces. Neither could anyone tame him and always night and day he was in the mountains and in the tombs crying out and cutting himself with stones when he saw jesus from afar off i knocked over my mic people i have two microphones uh one on each side and i'm just sitting a little bit too close so let me move okay let me move um let me pick up from here and always night and day he was in the mountains and in the tombs crying out and cutting himself with stones when he saw jesus from afar off he ran and worshiped him and he cried with a loud voice and said what have i to do with you jesus son of the most high god i implore you by god that you do not torment me now i want to digress right here a little bit even the demons know who jesus is but yet these so-called christians don't even the demons know that Jesus come from the most high God, but Christians don't. I thought I'd throw that out there. Oh yeah, I'm a huge advocate for the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I will defend him at any cost. So if the opportunity arrives when I'm reading the scripture, I'm gonna digress and make sure I put emphasis on that. Now let's continue. For he said to him, come out of the man, unclean spirit. Then he asked him, what is your name? And he answered saying, my name is Legion, for we are many. Also, he begged him earnestly that he would not send them out of the country. Now, a large herd of swine was feeding there near the mountains. So all the demons begged him, saying, send us to the swine that we may enter them. And at once Jesus gave them permission. Then the unclean spirit went out and entered the swine. There were about 2,000. Oh, my God. That man had over 2,000 unclean spirits in him. And the herd ran violently down the steep, down the steep place into the sea and drowned in the sea. So those who fed the swine fled and they, they told it in the city and the country. And they went out to see what it was that had happened. Now, even the pigs had enough sense to not be demon possessed. Rather, Rather than be demon-possessed, they ran down the hill and drowned in the sea. Now, demons need a vehicle by which to manifest themselves in this physical world. 
what they desire most is to inhabit and possess human beings. Now, if they cannot do that, then they will take sec a secondary step of, of possessing an animal. You guys have seen animals that you know was possessed. I mean, foaming at the mouth, they have rabies. I mean, they will tear you to shreds if they can get to you. Those are demon-possessed animals. We've seen people that will, uh, I mean, just, they, you know you have to be possessed if you're willing to cut up a baby. If you are willing to kill your girlfriend just because she said something you didn't like. That individual, that male is possessed by a demon. Okay? Now, failing that, they will go into a house or, or some other geographical location and hunt or inhabit that. But their highest goal is to possess a human being because then they can do their greatest damage in this earth realm in trying to thwart the work of God. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Baby, we gotta put on the armor. Yeah, we are in a spiritual warfare and you guys need to understand that. It is nothing that you're supposed to be afraid of because we have the victory. But you have to know you have the victory. You have to use the ammunition that God gave us to fight off the devil. You know, these demons are ready at any time to throw whatever they can at us and hinder us, not just in our walk, but in, but in our being good, good ambassadors of Christ to the world. Now, for this reason, God tells us to do the following in Ephesians 6, chapter 6, verse 13 and 17. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand, therefore, having a girded your, your waist, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Now the armor is not for your physical body. Remember, you are not wrestling against flesh and blood in this warfare, but against demon spirits. Demon spirits are spiritual creatures. Your armor is spiritual because the warfare is spiritual. It is manifested in the physical world, but its origin is spiritual, okay? And it is literally won or lost in the realm of the spirit. Now, a shield is made to ward off the thrust of an enemy, whether that thrust is with a spear or a sword or, or, some, other, or some other weapon. With the shield of faith, you have the ability to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. That's the word. Now, that's the word. Now, darts literally mean, it mean missiles, okay? If you put out all the fiery darts of the wicked one, none of them should be able to get through to you. If they cannot get to you, you cannot be hurt, okay? Therefore, if you are being hurt, at least some of the darts must be getting through. You know, I cannot emphasize this enough. You are in a warfare, a spiritual warfare with demonic forces the object of the war is to kill your enemy bomb him out annihilate him satan will use poverty fear sickness especially sickness prejudice strife hate and anything else 
he and his associates can get their hands on to do exactly that. This is why I, I specialize in faith. Oh yes, uh, the devil always throwing darts at me, but then he know when to flee, okay? I specialize in faith because it works. It was a time in my life I didn't have faith because I didn't know the word. You can only get faith by the word of God, by knowing the word of God. I didn't know it. And I was being beaten left and right. And then Satan will leave you alone if you start walking with him. Uh-huh. He'll stop, he'll stop throwing the darts, making you think it, your lifestyle is okay with God. Uh-huh. Because he ain't messing with you. Now, when Satan is it, when Satan is not messing with you, that's when you better open them eyes. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Because he ain't after his own. He's after God's people. But there will come a time that he will flee from you. And let, let me explain something to you. No Christian should be in a trial all their lives. At some point, you got to be delivered. If you're not being delivered, you need to evaluate why. If you are remaining sick, constantly sick, constantly in, in, in poverty, what, what, why? When Christ died that this, so you can have an abundant life, you need to evaluate that. You know what? And when you evaluate it and look into it and search it out, you will find that you have been following the devil. The devil wants you to live in poverty. Mm -hmm. Especially those he know who is seeking God through Christ. He wants you to live in poverty because the devil got some rich people and we see them every day. They're living in the White House. And I thought, I, I thought I'd throw that out there. Oh yeah, the demons have taken complete control over the White House in the United States of America. And I'm telling you, this is why I specialize in faith. Faith is the only thing that will quench the fiery darts of the wicked. If those darts are, are getting through to the point where uh, they are hurting you and your family, putting you out of business, rendering you inoperative, it means you do not have your shield on and that you should get it up and put it on immediately. Do not wait for the darts to start coming to get your armor on. While everything is well with you, while the sun is shining and there are no clouds in the sky, learn now how to walk in the full armor of God. Learn now how to use the, the, the shield of faith. Learn now so that when the enemy comes in like a flood, you can raise a standard against him. It is too late when the bombs start exploding to try to figure out how to use your protection or your weapon. It's too late then. You're supposed to walk in faith every day. The just shall live by faith. Oh yes, it is faith in God and in his word that Satan is scared of. That's what fears Satan. Not our words, not our traditions, not our denominations. The denominations are so lacking in faith they will literally tell the congregation that it is God's will for you to be suffering. Uh-uh. The only thing we're supposed to be suffering is persecution. Because Jesus of Nazareth, who was filled with the Holy Ghost, walked about healing all who were oppressed by the devil. So what part of that Christians are not understanding? Stop letting the enemy convince you that it's God doing this stuff to you. When in fact, it is God who is your deliverer. Okay, now look at Ephesians um, chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 17. 
and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Now, if you examine this, uh, this catalog of, of spiritual armor carefully, you will notice that all but one piece of that armor is for defensive purposes to keep the enemy, the enemy from coming after you. The one exception to this is the sword of the spirit. The word spirit is capitalized here, which can make it appear that we are talking about the sword of the Holy Spirit. That's not true. You know, this armor is not for the Holy Spirit's benefit. It is for your benefit. You put on the whole armor of God. The sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, was given to you. The Holy Spirit is the giver of the word. But the word is not the giver to the Holy Spirit. It is given to the family of God. Now, the sword is actually the sword of your recreated human spirit okay it is the weapon your spirit uses against the enemy and you ought to use it to attack the enemy at every way you can wherever the devil comes uh from and whenever the devil comes after us we should be ready to do what jesus did in the fourth chapter of matthew put the sword right between the devil's eyes and say it is written but you have to know what is written. You have to know your rights in Christ and be prepared to stand on those rights no matter what. Before you can say it is written, are we supposed to run down the, the, uh, uh, the road of life with the devil chasing us? No, no, we're not. In fact, our marching orders from Jesus are these. Mark 16, 17, and 18, in my name, they will cast out demons. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Luke 10, 19, behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Ephesians 4, 27, nor give place to the devil. James 4 and 7, therefore submit to God, resist the devil and he will flee from you. The devil is not supposed to be chasing you down the road of life but rather he should be fleeing from you. You need to fill yourself up with the word of God so that you can protect yourself from the devil. He is scared of God's words, not yours. He is scared of God's words, not your denomination. Now we are going to stop right here, my sisters and brothers, and we'll resume this message tomorrow. Praise God for that powerful message. I hope you enjoyed message number one of this five-part series entitled, Lie Number One, Satan Doesn't Exist. If you have any questions about this episode, please send your comments or questions to trustgod55.cd at gmail.com. Also, if you would like to support this podcast financially, please go to my Anchor or Spotify homepage and show your support by contributing an amount of your choice. Part two of this five-part series is entitled, Lie Number Two. If you go to church, you don't need to study the Bible. Mm, can't wait to do that one. Now until next time, saints, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And remember, we walk by faith, not by sight. I am your host, Dr. Kamala D., rightly dividing the word of truth in peace 
and love. See you next time.